0: Welcome to Carousel Podcast. I'm Mike,
1: and this is Orlando, and we're on episode 179. Yeah, the level up review, a super motivating level up review that we're recording super late, but you feel like you're like all into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, what happens? So I, I go to bed early because I wake up early, which I think is something that David Goggins and uh, I think most successful sp- people do. Spoiler <laughs> alert here: David Goggins' uh, book is what we're doing. Uh, Can't hurt me, and uh, I think he would. I think he'd be proud of the the getting up early thing, but. um so I go through stages when I'm really tired and one of the stages is like a lot of energy and then it's a crash. So we just got to get through this before the oh, crash Oh, I think jumps. we're good. Okay. I think we're good. It's just funny because when you text me, you know, I
1: messaged you like, whoa, like we're doing it this late and you're like, yeah, man. And I was like, all right, I'm into it now. It's great because this is what we're reading. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins and the subtitle is Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds. Now, I will throw it out there. So there's two books you can pick up there is the clean edition, which is in our link tree, and there's the original edition. So it depends, you know, what you're okay with, right? So I strongly recommend either one. I know for for me, you know, I sometimes like hearing the raw and the unedited, and there's other times I'm kind of like, you know, I kind of, I don't know if I need this language in here. Yeah, I don't know if I I want, you know, like, and, and so at times in here, he is, I mean, he's straight to the point. He doesn't play games, right? If that's what he thinks, he writes it. If that's what he said, he writes it. And so, you know, just throwing it out there on the Audible, right? You said there's actually some perks on the Audible.
0: Yeah. One of the benefits, I actually listened to the Audible a couple of years ago, so I didn't reread everything. I kind of went back through some like chapter summaries because this is a story. I've listened to a lot of his stuff. Um, Obviously, very motivating guy. His story is pretty incredible. And um, so, but I remember distinctly listening to the Audible And I mentioned before, like I don't like fictional books that are read by the author. I hate that. that. But when it comes to nonfiction books, specifically books like this, I think it's okay if it's the author because they have it's it's their writing, so it's like their passion behind it. And so one of the benefits is as he's you know talking about the stories, he'll sometimes like basically go on like a, a, a tangent and like break away from what he's reading and say, like, let me give you some more information. Like, this is what happened. This is what I felt. This is what I was feeling then. Um, See, as I like, look what, back- what more could he add? Because when you read the story, first of all, the guy has an incredible
1: memory because, you know, I was thinking there's parts and we'll talk about it. Like he's eight and he's remembering things. I don't remember much when I was eight. Mm. Right. But if it's something that was traumatizing yep. or enduring, obviously there's there's a greater chance that you'll remember. So. Yeah.
0: I know for sure and this is going to be a little bit different than some of other books but then at the same time I think it's very similar because um, we've done a lot of books on just kind of like here's some routine things you can do here's some things you can do to change your business model here are um, financial tips this book is is different because it's coming from a perspective of a guy who overcame a lot of obstacles in life but if you think about his story he he went from um, at one point being like an overweight you know kind of out of shape, not really doing much with his life guy to being a Navy SEAL and then breaking all these records in life. He holds like the pull-up record and he runs ultra marathons all the time. And it's just total shift in life. And I think it still will apply to what we talk about in resale. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the ideas of overcoming these obstacles, picking goals, sticking with it, really mastering your mind and what that looks like. And so I think this is going to be very different than some of the things we've talked about but it all kind of connects to the idea of what what is it to be a hustler? What is it to have um, you know, drive and passion in life? And how do you keep priorities straight? And so I think those are all things uh, that we'll talk about. Yeah, So
1: and it's interesting because I like what he says from the very beginning of his intro. He starts with, he has this quote, he says, very few people know how the bottom feels, right? He's talking about when he's at the bottom. And he's, he shares a lot, he's in the bottom a lot. Mm. I mean, even through his childhood, when you read through this and again, I give my warning out there, if you've been through a lot of childhood trauma, whether through physical abuse or emotional abuse, like this is going to, this is going to hit you hard. Mm. Right. And then there's some parts in here. I I mean, I I wasn't abused or anything, but I did have my moments where, you know, people were bullies or I got beat down or whatever. And so I, I read some of this and I'm like, whoa, like this is horrendous. That kid had to go through this. Right. Uh, you know, I, I've had, <laughs> I mean, I even had a school shooting growing up, mm. right? Luckily I wasn't, I didn't observe what happened, but it was pretty traumatizing. Yeah. Right. And he has a, st- a story here. We'll share in a little bit that, well, maybe, well, it's just, it's pretty crazy. So he says, very few people know how the bottom feels, but I do. It's like quicksand. It grabs you, sucks you under and won't let go. When life is like that, it's easy to drift and continue to make comfortable choices that are killing you over and over again. Mm. So and I think he throws that out there because he he's he's prefacing the idea that maybe maybe the whoever's reading this is in the bottom and they don't even know. Mm. Right? I, I think sometimes your life is so in in a horrible place you kind of accept it. I don't know. Growing up, you know, I still go, you know, when I go back home. I I know a lot of people that their life is exactly the same. It was when I left when I was 18. Mm. Right. When I left when I was 18, I went to college. I did go back every once in a while, but I I left. Like I had a break from San Francisco and I went back like, you know, earlier on when I graduated from college for a year, but their lives haven't really gone anywhere. Mm. Like they're they're just stuck. But the thing is, they don't know that they're
0: stuck. Yeah.
1: Right, they, they they think it's perfectly normal, and and they they become victimized, and and you know it, it's everyone else's fault, and then we'll talk about that. And it's kind of weird because this is a motivational like level up review, yeah, <laughs> right. Which is but good. I just feel weird sharing this, but it, but it's true. And only reason I think I wasn't stuck was because I left. And I think if I'd stay there, I I may have I probably wouldn't have here podcast, probably wouldn't done a reselling, probably wouldn't have done a lot of things. But it's one of those things that. I hope that if you're in that scenario, you read this book and it begins to shake you out of some of that.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And no matter where you're at, I mean, there's always one thing that's pretty interesting is no matter where you're at, you can always be better. You can always get better. And maybe you're at a place where, I mean, everybody's got different goals. And I've actually listened to, I'm pretty sure David Goggins talk about this on a on a, a show one time. It's like. You know, if you've got friends and it's, you know, somebody works a nine to five and they have a lot of family time and that's where they're happy, like you got to find the place where you're happy. But a lot of times there's at least one area in your life where, where you you feel maybe sense of shame or guilt or suffering and you just kind of don't address it and you're not willing to work past those things. And one of the things that I love about David Goggins and this book, Can't Hurt Me, is it really is going to address the thing of recognizing and facing like without, you know, putting up masks and pretending, facing the real you as you are, where your weaknesses are, and then doing what it takes to overcome those things, doing what it takes to be um, not just good enough, but as good as you can be. And I think that's one of the things that we can do, whether it's relationships, whether it's, you know, time with friends, whether it's our work, whether it's our hustle, all of those things, there's areas where it's like, I don't know if I always like to face this. And yeah, you can get stuck and then, when you're in the bottom like that, you're often making decisions. And I always talk about like the downward spiral, right? Um, Like the, the great one that people always say is like, I'm depressed because I'm overweight. I'm overweight because I eat too much. I eat too much because I'm depressed. Right. And it's like this downward cycle. And it's like, you can't get out of it because you, you, the things you're doing are causing the things that, that make you unhappy. And you do more of those things because you're unhappy. And so Facing those things is hard to do. And maybe it's just the death pile you have in your house, right? Like you don't want to get listed. And there might be an underlying thing that's, that's preventing you from taking the actions you need to take.
1: Or let, let's flip it on. it. I'm going to say something crazy here. Maybe reselling has been the place where you, it's been your comfort zone, mm. right? Maybe you were a professional. Maybe you had this abounding career. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to myself, but I'm not. I love what I'm doing. And you stepped away Because some craziness happened and you couldn't handle it anymore. And now reselling has been this place of comfort where you could do so much more. Not saying you can't do a lot of reselling. Uh, Again, I want to reiterate, like, I love what I'm doing. I'm leveling up. I'm scaling. Like, things are going well. This is what I I believe right now I'm supposed to be doing. But maybe reselling has become that comfort zone. And, you know, we would love for you to listen to Pure Podcast 10 years from now. But maybe right now it's just a temporary thing right now. Right. Maybe you got injured at work and this is why you're reselling. Maybe, you know, the place you loved, you know, fell apart and you couldn't be there anymore. Maybe you had a family scenario that forced you into reselling and now you're you're kind of going like, I can never go back. I'm scared to go back. I, I'm just going to keep reselling because it's comfortable. Right. So. This is what I want we want you to think about because as much as I love, you know, the fact that we have thousands of listeners that listen to peers of the podcast because it's about reselling, I'd rather have people move on with their lives if they're not meant to keep reselling and be successful than continue doing reselling just because they don't want to go back and rebuild. It's good. So just gotta keep it real. Keeping it real.
0: Cool. So um one of the things like in the first chapter of this book that I found a lot of us can probably relate to is from the outside looking at David Goggins life growing up if you were to just look at the neighborhood he grew up in the town he grew up in the the house the cars that they had out front the way they dressed, you would think this is a very successful happy family and the reality was it was a very dysfunctional family things weren't what they looked like from the outside on the outside everything looked clean and shiny inside there was a lot of uh, domestic abuse there was a lot of just horrible things that were happening to him. It's like an his understatement brother. though. Like if you read this and so we're not going to go into the details, mm-hmm. but it's horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, really bad. And I think one of the takeaways, cause whenever I read things like this, especially when it's like a biography is one, I want to know the story. Cause it helps, you know, that person a little bit better and, and what they're going through. But I always try and figure out like, okay, what's the real theme? What's the lesson that I can take from this? What's the thing that I can say? Like it, what, what truth? Cause in almost everything, there's elements of truth that are just like, general truths about humanity that we can grasp and look at uh, and say like, okay, how does this affect me? And one of the things I took from that is, and I think all of us can relate to this, is things aren't always what they look like on the outside. And oftentimes people like to put up a facade, maybe it's the car they drive, it's the clothes they wear, um, It's going out of the house and smiling when you're around your neighbors, but then you close the door and things aren't okay. And, and that could be the specific situation you're dealing with, or maybe that's just uh, like a metaphor for other things. Maybe it's your finances, right? We talked about that with our last book where, yeah, you have all of the nice things, but you're so far in debt. Nobody sees what's happening behind the scenes. And I think the takeaway from this is you can focus on the things that people see on the outside. You can care what other people think, or you can get real with yourself and say, I wanna fix the real me, the real situation, whether it's my business, my relationships, myself, my physical self, whatever it is, my emotional self, I wanna I want to fix those things and actually live a happy life and not a fake happy life. And I, I even see like, you know, all the time, whether it's people reselling, or other things, where there's advertisements, they're trying to like hook you into this like dream life, and you'll have this car, and you could travel. My the favorite world. one's the automation. One have you seen the Amazon automation? Uh huh. It's it's all the time on our YouTube's.
1: <laughs> so it's it's basically like, have you ever wanted an Amazon store where you have to do absolutely nothing, and all it takes, and I think it's like fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? And we'll you'll make we'll make sure you make that money back in a year, and. It sounds incredible, right? Mm. And it's funny because they try to answer that question in that ad. They say, well, why aren't we? Well, you're only allowed to have one Amazon store and we're here to partner with you. Mm. Right. But but the reality is it's all smoke and mirrors. Mm. Right. And, you know, and it, we see that over and over and over again. And, it, and it's funny because I, I think about what you're saying, too. And I think about social media and reselling. Mm. Right. Or social media, period.
0: Yeah. Right. You, it's you, the shiny, perfect you that you put out there. It,
1: it really is. I mean, how many times have we retaken something that we even did? Like, we, you know, ah, I don't like the way I said that. OK, edit or yeah. delete, oh. redo it. Right. You put your best out there. And even when, you know, you have a tough day, like I, I don't put out there like how horrendous that day was, mm-hmm. you know. But I, so so getting back to the book, though, and, and I'm related to all this. All right. So if you're following with the book, right, the very first part is the horrendous situation they're in right? Dad, that is beating mom. That is is beating the kids. Dad owns a skate rink. And then they escape, mm-hmm. right? They all leave and he ends up in this Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And there's this, <laughs> this, this mean lady who loves him called sister Catherine. And I, I liked what he says here. He says, sister Catherine is a reason why I'll never trust a smile or judge a scowl. Mm-hmm. My dad smiled a hell of a lot and didn't give two blanks about me, but grouchy sister Catherine cared about us, cared about me. She wants us to be our very best. I know this because she proved it by spending extra time with me, as much time as it took until I retained my lessons. Gosh, so good, it is. It's really good because what we're so I, I I'm I'm even conditioned to like look at people and and covet at times and go like I wish I had that perfect life, mm-hmm. I wish things were good, and you don't know what people are dealing with. Mm-hmm. You 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 just don't, and, and and then you know in our own world, right. On the outside, I mean, I think there's a perspective, and it's because of those auto- Amazon Amazon automation commercials, and the you know you can have passive income. Hey, I live on my laptop, like all this. That hey, a lot of people are smiling, but the reality is like just because they're smiling doesn't mean
0: that they're there for you, right? Yeah. That's so good, and even just like beyond just that, because I think that's so practical. But then even we've talked so much in our podcast, and, and you're really good about talking about this when it comes to um, you know, networking and all of that, is actually developing relationships with people and putting the business aspect of it behind. And putting mm. that second and really developing a friendship with people, oh, being yeah. kind to people. And sometimes you lose money, right? It's like not necessarily you lose money because you, you buy a bad deal, but you might not make a deal with somebody and it might be months or years before that that relationship pays off. If it ever does, or you lose money with the time that you spend. Yep. But the thing is, there are so many people who will smile. I mean, the, the good the good salesman comes to your door with a big old smile, but the thing is, a lot of people can see through that, but some people can't. Some people, there are people that I know and I've gotten to know over the years that it's like, man, they just seem so likable, but they're fake. And the more you get to know them, you're just like, I can't, like, it's all it's all a show. And people who don't know them don't see it. And you almost watch other people being fooled by it. And it's like, no, 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 you guys are being fooled. This person is fake. And then you see other people, and I think maybe I'm more guilty of this on this end. Um, I, I tend to, I don't always come off rough, but I'm not as like, as friendly all the time towards, you know, I'm just not social, I'm more introverted. I don't like seek to go out and like make lots of friends and smile and small chat and all of those things. But like I care really deeply about people. And so there's, I, I think I could be one of those ones that sometimes has the, the the growl on my face, but I'm actually caring and trying to help and, and, and work with people. Whereas other people can be so fake and they've got that smile. And they're buying into it. and i think that just goes to show don't you can't judge people just off what you see and don't be that person don't be that person who just smiles to trick people but really focus on yourself and say like am i building real relationships that matter am i d- making connect connections am i networking am i making my business because it's a business you need to make money you can't i mean if you're doing a charity that's very different but if you're doing this is to pay your bills and and put clothes on your family's back then you need to make money so you can't be foolish. But at the same time, you don't have to be fake and you don't have to hurt people and oppress people to do it. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's so good. So
1: it's interesting because you read the first chapter and you're like, okay, that's it's pretty crazy. But it doesn't end with the first chapter, Mm-mm. right? It just gets, it actually gets worse. But before he goes this, I, I like what he says. You know, he, he has these things called challenges at the end of each chapter. A challenge when he says, I showed you every piece of my dirty laundry and he does i mean when you read this you will be like whoa like you know <laughs> i you know there's some people i i think now in like 2020 maybe because of the year of the pandemic or i don't know what it is but we're, we're very good about i i would say we're way more authentic than we used to be but, but at the same time i don't know if we are like yeah. it, it's such is it a, a fake ha- authenticity I, it, you know it's so true it's so true because People are like, and maybe, hopefully it's not us, but people are like, hey, just being real about it. But maybe you just concocted that story to show that you're real, right? To connect with people. So anyways, not going to get into all that. But he says, give your pain shape. Absorb its power because you're about to flip that. And then, you know, he says more. (laughs) And then he says, once you have your list, share it with whoever you want. For some, it may mean logging into social media, posting a picture and writing out a few lines about how your own past or present circumstances challenge you to the depth of your soul and i and i I think that's good and i think even reselling that's good like sharing your challenges you know even dming um you know other resellers and saying hey i am struggling with this because it could be a pretty you know you can be very by yourself right and feeling that there's no way out right or you're thinking that you haven't experienced this and not just reselling it could be anything else but there is something therapeutic not about, you don't have to go out and share laundry. I I'm, I personally, I don't know if I could post any, you know me, I'm not very big on sharing my personal life on social media or, a, I mean, <laughs> Mike and I have had, had this discussion multiple times. Mike's like, why don't you have more pictures of your family? Why don't you do this? And I'm like, no, it's all business. All business, all business. But you go with your comfort level, right? You share what you can and there's something therapeutic about it. So that's this challenge there that whatever pain you go through, you share with somebody and so you're able to, I wouldn't say he's saying healing is just give that pain shape. So it's something that you can handle.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's really good. Um, and whether or not you do it where other people can hear. And I think there's a benefit to finding even if it's just one or two people that you you share your story with, um, but even actually writing it out because sometimes people have never actually faced their past and what they're dealing with. And I know over the years I've kind of done that, like just conversations I've had with my wife, like just random conversations. And I really start to like hash out like pains and struggles that I've had in my past and like hurts and things like that. And it's like, wow, I've never put this to words. And like, now that I'm finally having this conversation, like I feel better. Like I feel like I didn't even know I was kind of carrying this weight on me. So yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good challenge. And by the way, we're
1: not licensed therapists at all. Always consult a professional. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We should just have a disclaimer. Like we're not, we're not doctors. We're not lawyers. We're not accountants. Yeah. Um, you're adults. Figure it out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's true. It's true. All right. Chapter
1: two. Truth hurts. So do you want to start? I, I got some lines already. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to see if you have the same thing. I do. Well, see,
0: I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I don't have quotes. I tried because oh, right, cause you yeah, did audible. I, I, well, I audibled it a couple years ago. And then I just kind of did like summaries to like refresh my mind on the stories that happened. Um, but um, I, and maybe I'm going too far and you'll have to like back up to some of these quotes. But the, the the crazy thing about this part is he's gone through so much things kind of got better he's spending time with grandma and grandpa they're living there and school's hard for him and 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 he's ch- like really really struggling to do well in school and finally he gets this this ad- adult male figure in his life who kind of replaces the, oh, that that so dad sad. figure for him that he never had right and and it starts to change his, perspe- his perspective he starts to have a little bit more positivity he sees his mom being happy and being treated well And through a crazy series of events, um, you know, things are going well. He finally has some stability in life. And I think we all can relate to that, like the need to have some kind of stability, whether it's friend, family, parent, something in your life. And just in a blink of an eye, it was all taken away. This new guy who was going to marry his mom um, is on his way home, pulls into his garage. This is crazy. Shot and killed, right? Not not just like shot and
1: killed, like execution, like four shots and then I'm picturing
0: like one guy reaching over him in between the eyes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just just a tragic story. And to think like when you, just imagine being at your lowest low, somebody pulling you out of that sum and giving you some some foundation and stability and then for that to be taken away. So like as we, I think it's important to, to look at all of the stuff that he's been through. Because when we start to look at like the accomplishments he has later on in life and how he starts to overcome things and become very successful, I think it does two things. One, looking at the past says, if you can overcome that, right? Like, cause because if I can see like just the total despair and destruction and pain that he experienced and then to have any hope ripped away again a second time, I mean, it's, it, it makes it say, and I think uh, you've mentioned Gary Vee multiple times Um, and he's made quotes like, if there's even one person who's have a similar story that, as you and they've overcome, oh, yeah. then you can too. And and this isn't to say like your pain isn't real cause because Goggins in this whole thing doesn't say like, you know, it, this stuff didn't matter, or it was easy to overcome the obstacles. But what he's encouraging is saying, I can overcome this and maybe your story is worse than mine, but you can overcome what you're going through too. And maybe it's not as bad as mine. And if I can overcome, then you can do it. And so there's a bit of motivation there. And I think just looking at that pain and maybe it causes you to look at your own life and you can say, I've experienced similar pain. And it gives you a little glimpse of hope that maybe there is hope at the end of this tunnel, or maybe you haven't experienced this pain and it helps develop some empathy of like, Man, there there are amazing people out there who've overcome extreme obstacles. And that gives you, you're not as naive when you go into the world and you realize that pain might be just around the corner. And that time might come and it's going to be hard and it's not going to be easy, but you can overcome it.
1: Well, what I what I love too, I rewind a little bit mm. earlier, in chapter two, is he destroys the myth that money solves everything. Mm. Right. And as us as resellers, and Mike, and Mike and I have been very big about that. While we love scaling and we love making money, that money isn't ultimately going to bring us continued joy. It might bring happiness. I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that money brings temporary happiness. I think it does. You know, you get a nice car, you move into a house like it, it can buy those things. But he, this is you notice. His life actually wasn't so bad on the outside. We talked about that because his father ran a skating rink. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were making a ton of money. And, you know, he had talked about how his mom had like fur coats and had rings and, you know, mink coats. So mink coats are they're money. Like I remember when I worked at Marshall Fields, uh, people would try to shoplift them. Or sometimes we get people that had uh, razor blades in their fingers and they would like people that were against, you know, you know, using the animals for fur and they would just slice them up and it'd be like $20,000 coats. So we're not talking about, you know, this is like <laughs> a vintage starter jacket, has 200 bucks. We're talking about. Coats that are worth as much as vehicles. Mm. Right. And so he says in the beginning of the chapter called truth hurts, he says, when money was good, our lives were defined by trauma. And I had to think about that. Like that, that's terrible. Mm. Right. And I think we all know this to be true, but sometimes we get lost in this fact that, you know, as a reseller as long as i keep making more money it's going to prevent anything you know traumatic or it's going to, or it's going to help me deal with anything but the reality is like you get punched in the face you get punched in the face it's still going to hurt mm-hmm. right what you do with it after you get punched in the face is is a key part and then you know his story is not done because he says once we were free of my father we were swept under by our own PTSD level dysfunction and poverty right and so <laughs> continuing on Right. He, going through the story, he, his mom meets th- this individual who was a great guy. And the guy was living, I don't know, a double life or something. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even explain what happened. Yeah, the no, guy just no, gets no. assassinated and, mm-hmm. and it is, it's done. So the trauma continues for him. Right. And then he says later on in the chapter, everything I did was to
0: get uh, So basically, there's a part two to the story. Do you remember what the part two was? Yeah, well, I mean, after all this happens, they move back and forth a few different times to different places, and he ends up. Um, he, he kind of um, goes to a town, and he, there's a lot of like people who treat him uh, poorly because of the color of his skin. He deals with some racial slurs, all of these things, and so he begins to change the way he acts and dresses uh, because he wants attention. He wants people to like look at him, and he even makes a comment at one point. And I don't know if this is what you're going to read right here, but he makes a comment that. Um, he literally was trying to get a reaction out of the people who hated yeah, him this is most. Exactly what I was gonna read. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> and and that that basically he hated. And so he is he made his whole life. I remember listening to him on Joe Rogan at one point, and he said, like, I literally was like a clown. I did the craziest stuff. I don't know if he talks about it in the book, but at one point he yeah. shaved his head, like did the backward shave where he yeah, shaves he, the top he, and not yeah. the sides, right? He just did crazy things in order for people to look at and go, like, you're weird. And he wanted to be that weird because to him, it gave him some sense of control and power. Um, And but to think, though, he didn't really have any control and power because he was doing that in spite of or because other people. And so they kind of still had power and control over him. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And then the
1: turning point happens, unfortunately, when they're skydiving. Right. He's well, he's well, he joins he joins the pararescue jump orientation. Well, that's the course. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's he's he joins the Civil Air Patrol. That's what Mm -hmm. he does. He joins Civil Air Patrol and his freshman year. And what there's, he's in high school. I do not know you could do this in high school. Mm Do you know? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So they go and then he observes somebody skydiving and things don't work. I don't think
0: he observes it. If I remember right, uh, it was the guy giving the speech of what happened. Like he heard the story of a, of a parachuter, uh, maybe observed it, but of a parachuter who had a really bad accident, falls, um, gets just, his whole body is just broken, um and was oh, told yeah, by doctors, to speak, yeah. yeah, so he's told by doctors. Sorry, that, yeah. <laughs> I was so into this, I thought he actually observed it. Okay, sorry. So um, he's told by doctors that um, you know, he's never going to be able to go back to this job. He's probably never going to walk. And this guy, over the next like eighteen months, I think it was or something like that, ends up defying all odds, overcoming those obstacles, and gets his health back and goes back into the field. And and this is a turning point for Goggins because he looks at somebody who had this this dream and this passion. And he was doing it, and he was good at his job, and then life just took it all away from him and he crawled his way out from the bottom. And at that moment, Guy like, Goggins thinks, you know what? like that can be me, like I can overcome. And there's this powerful moment in the story where it basically says he goes home and he like takes a shower and he gets out of the shower and he like looks at himself in the mirror and he has that one of like this realization moment of like, I'm a joke. like the way I'm dressed and the way I'm acting, like it's a joke because this isn't the real me. I'm not happy with who I am and how I'm acting. And so he shaved his head. And he changed the way he dressed, and he went to school, and his whole attitude changed. He started taking school more seriously. He had to. One of the uh, the interesting things about David Goggins is um, multiple times the story talks about like him failing tests and having to study over and over. And I know at one point when he was studying for a test, he literally would would write out the entire chapter of the book, like five to six times before he'd move on to the next one. He just like repetition, repetition, and he had to study harder and he had that obstacle, but he just took it seriously because he realized like he needed to overcome. He needed to uh, find the success and actually take real change in ownership. And it, that's how many areas in our life do we need to do that? And and it could be anything. I'm not saying like you need to be just like somebody else. Like if they have a certain amount of money, you need to face yourself in the mirror and say, I need to be like them or I need to, but there's something in your life that you know deep down, I think we all have it no matter how, Far we've come in life, where it's like this part of my life actually doesn't make me very happy. Like I, I'm kind of, I'm not happy with this part of me. But we mask those things. We don't. I even just think for me, like it's being in silence. Like I think our culture, like it, it's such an amazing thing. uh Twenty One Pilots, a, a band I really like, has a, a cool song about this, and it's the idea of like their car radio got stolen, and so driving makes them is forces them to think all of the thoughts in their heads <laughs> they don't the want to think, and so they just want to get the car radio back because yeah, we, we can drown out reality by just listening to podcasts, watching YouTube, watching the news, going on social media. We're always entertained, but just sit in silence for like 10 minutes and it gets uncomfortable, right? Because you're starting to force them to face who you are. And unless you do that, you don't know what you need to fix. You don't know what it's like. You know what? Deep down, like I'm not happy with my education. Like I know I, I can learn a little more and I didn't try my hardest. Or I'm not happy with my relationship I have with my brother. I haven't really tried to mend that. Or I'm not happy with uh, you know, how I my wife and I's relationship. I'm not like whatever it is for you, you if you don't face those things, you don't know what needs to be fixed and to overcome and say, you know what? What do I need to do to actually be the best I can be and take ownership um, and not blame other people? Cause even though David Goggins talks this whole time about how terrible um his childhood was at this point, he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, it's my responsibility. It's my life. I have to fix it.
1: Well, and and what I love the fact that this was a turning point. I mean, this guy, he, he mentioned how the guy, when he landed, right, he bounced like a basketball, like three times, like his whole body. Right. And the guy still survived. And he says, for years, I was obsessed with the story because he'd survived the impossible. And I resonated with the survival. Right. And, And there's a, there's a key phrase in there resonated with his survival. And I really believe the fact that so many people listen to individuals that go from, you know, rock bottom to back up and then to rock bottom and back up again is because we all need to find somebody in that similar scenario. Right. Yeah. And and reselling, I, I think it's very powerful because all the time it, it, the stories that really impact me are the ones where it's like, hey, I did I did Amazon and I lost <laughs> $100,000, but now I figure it out and now I know what I'm doing, right? Or I did eBay or, you know, we talk about Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has been a millionaire twice, right? right. I and mean, it's like, if he could do it once, he could do it again. And so whatever scenario you're going in to and you're trying to go through it, if, you know, and it, chances are 100% that somebody else has gone through that scenario, find someone that has gone through it and has been successful on the other side. I, I think that'll be useful. I can tell you for myself, I mean, I'll just speak real quick. Uh, You know, I went through a horrendous divorce, right? And what I needed to hear wasn't, you know, I didn't need to watch more reselling YouTube or whatever. I needed to hear from people that had been through the same scenario. Right. And I had some friends that had been to scenario, they made it through. Now they're great. They have, you know, a new family, things are good. And it was motivating going, Hey, you know, plenty of people have gone through this, plenty of people have survived and you can too. So, Think about your scenario. Whatever your scenario is, whether it's reselling, finance, family dynamics, marriage and divorce, uh, you you name it, drug addiction, whatever addiction you have, there are stories out there that can motivate you and make you understand, hey, I'm not alone. I can actually get through this. So that was my two cents in there. Uh
0: We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy
1: to list or wanting a scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Cellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Cellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Cellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers two, five. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code Pure Hustle
0: 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things. Because you know, you know what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with List Perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross-list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vendoo is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So... First of all, is list perfectly. They're giving thirty percent off your first month, which is amazing, and they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So, uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so, if you sign up, you get thirty percent off, but you have to use our. our Link, and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your, your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. All right, the accountability mirror. Yeah. So what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, um, and if I remember right, that he started doing, and I don't know if he talks about it this part of the chapter, um, but he actually started like writing notes and putting it up on the mirror of like things he needed to do like today, this week, like I need to mm-hmm. fix these things, right? And he would look at himself in the mirror um, and, and that's like, that can be an uncomfortable thing too, actually. like Not just like, sometimes we talk like metaphorically, like looking in the mirror and like figuring out like the real you and the areas of your life because mirrors reflect like the things you need to fix. Uh, But, but I don't know, maybe this is just me, but just staring at myself in the mirror, not like, you know, doing, fixing my hair or whatever, but like just looking at my eyes and staring at myself in the mirror, it becomes uncomfortable, right? Because you really are forced with like, this is me. And you start to contemplate some weird things. No excuses. Yeah. And the accountability mirrors is, is is just that like it takes away, Hey, I've gone through all these things in my past. I've had all these obstacles come up. This thing happened to me, right? Like, I mean, we've got good examples right now of, of, you know, crazy storms that come in, right? Like, uh, acts of God that have nothing to do with, you know, like your decision. It wasn't like I made a mistake. Right. Like it, it's just like things that happen. And then, you know, and going back to like David Goggins is really big on this, but I I think, you know, Will Smith had that great little YouTube clip where it's just, it doesn't matter what whose fault it is. It might not be your fault, but it's your responsibility. Right? And the accountability mirror is this, like, what are the things you've done wrong to get you here? How have you reacted? And even if it's like, you've gone through something terrible, but when you just accept it, like, well, woe is me. This is, you know, I'm just, this is my life. And you kind of get stuck there and you make excuses. You're never going to get through it. Whereas the accountability mirror, you're forced to look at yourself and say, what do I need to do to get through this?
1: Agreed. And, you know, it, it, it's very powerful because he he terms it when you're in that accountability mode, that you are the only mm. like, there's no one to blame. It's all, it's all on you. Right. And we've shared this before. Right. And the idea that, you know, you're stuck or that the fact that you can't move forward or you can't rebuild, you can figure out, you know, you can always lay blame on something else, but ultimately it's you, you are the only. And, and I'm going to read what he says here. Cause it's, it's super powerful. I mean, it, it removes any excuses. And right now, I mean, what a time for us to be able to say it's because of this, it's because of this, it's because of this. I mean, I, I, right now I'm like, I mean, we could blame it on so many things, right? Mm-hmm. So he read, I'm going to read this and you know, it may be a little controversial. This is David Goggins. So he says, but if you're the only, and you aren't stuck in the same real world, genocidal twilight zone, you better get real too. Your life is not messed up because of overt racist or hidden systemic racism. You aren't missing out on opportunities making terrible money and getting evicted because of America or Donald Trump, or because your ancestors were slaves or because people hate immigrants or Jews or harass women or believe gay people are going to hell. If any of that is stopping you from excelling in life, I got some news. You are stopping you. You are giving up instead of getting hard. Tell the truth about the real reasons for your limitations. You will turn that negativity, which is real, into jet fuel. Those odds stacked against you will become a runway. Mm. And like, remove all excuses, right? And it's hard. I get it. It's tough. I mean, I have people in my own family that every conversation I have is, if only this, I'd be in this scenario. And that, that to me, that had to stop. I mean, I had that in my own life. Like, hey, if only so-and-so would do this, then therefore I'd be in a better place. And once I stopped thinking like that, things started changing, right? And it's
0: not uh, like, I'm, you know, I still got a lot to work on. And we all do. Yep. And that doesn't diminish the fact that like there are real pains and obstacles Correct. that aren't your That's fault, true. right? Like, so don't listen to us say that or listen to David Goggin say that and think that like what we're, what we're promoting is this idea that, you know, your problems that you faced aren't real, aren't important yeah. or or don't actually make an impact. Cause they do like there are external things that have happened to you that absolutely will make it more difficult for you to succeed than for somebody else. That is absolutely positive. But you can't change those things. You can only change you. And so that doesn't diminish the fact, like, and again, going back to the the Will Smith one, like somebody can hurt you really, really bad and it's not your fault, but you've got to be the one to get over it and to get through it. And otherwise, 10 years from now, if you don't, you're going to be still feeling the pain from that that thing that wasn't your fault, or you can power through it. And then what you're doing is you're giving other people hope to say, if they can make it through that pain and those obstacles. So yeah, don't hear us to say like, those aren't real pains and real obstacles, but but those are things. And I love that idea of turning it into jet fuel and a runway, right? And and he, in chapter four, he's gonna, this, this phrase he comes up with, uh, um, and I'll briefly mention of this idea of like taking souls, uh, but basically he just takes, he gets motivated by overcoming. I think there's a lot of people who are like that. Like I get motivated, by succeeding in spite of the people who don't want me to succeed and not like he was before where I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get a reaction. They want me to be a certain way, so I'm gonna act a certain way in order to get a reaction out of them. But I'm going to succeed and I'm gonna do the best because it's gonna make them furious because I, and I'm doing it for me like there's a there's a subtle difference there of using other people's hatred and all these obstacles as fuel and trying to just do things to impress people you don't even like. No, agreed, agreed. Now, chapter
1: three, when I the impossible task, it's it's crazy David Goggins' life because he just doesn't stop, mm-hmm. right? Now we're in chapter three, and now he's trying to join a para rescue team, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know how to swim, right? Or he kind of knows how to swim.
0: Yeah, but he knows how to backstroke,
1: <laughs> and that's it. And I'm thinking, like, that's, that's 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 a pretty big jump. Yep. Right. That that that's huge, right? And so. He's, and I, I like what he says though here. He, he's talking about, you know, they're still in this in this terrible scenario, right? He he had he was, I guess he was in the Air Force, right? And in the Air Force, he had these experiences where he had well, did we jump a lot? He jumps a lot in here. Right? He's in high school, then he goes to the Air Force, right? He gets and, to the
0: meat of I mean he gives a little bit of backstory, but the rest of it's gonna be now like kind of military career.
1: Yeah, yeah. And after. So he's there, but You know, what was interesting is it's a quote and I'm I'm like pulling this quote completely out of the context. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember what the context was, but he's saying, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, but not once your eyes adjust to the darkness, kind of the same thing we talked about in the beginning. And that's what happened to me. I was numb, numb to my life, miserable in my marriage. And I accepted that reality. Right? So he's in this kind of in-between place where like he joined the air force, but he wasn't happy. And then he talks about like he ballooned up from 175 pounds to 300 pounds. Yeah,
0: after he gets out. So he didn't actually make it into the career he wanted to make it into because he kept failing the uh, the swimming portions and other written portions. And so he ended up getting a job in the Air Force he didn't like. He did his four years. He gets out of the Air Force and ends up um, deciding he's gonna maybe do some like powerlifting, and that was kind of just an excuse because he didn't really like take that seriously. But yeah, he went from 175 pounds when he went into the military to 300 pounds when he gets out. And basically, the way he describes his career is he was an exterminator that wa- went around at nighttime. That's what he and, was. and 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 killed bugs and rats, and would come home with like a a shake and and fast food, and he'd come and he'd sit down and he'd eat all this junk food. And he was just miserable. I mean, to to go from one seventy five to three hundred, and then um, the craziest story. And like I, I remember hearing him talk about this on a on a several interviews, and it just really stuck with me because I remember watching this exact program when I was a kid. Um, I, I'm a little bit younger, I think, than Goggins is, um, and I was in high school and I saw this program on. And I think it was like the SEAL team, like going through buds, going through their their difficult time. And, like they actually showed like what it was like start to finish and how difficult the program was. And he was like walking upstairs to go take a shower and go to bed. And he's like, just finished his ice cream shake and he sees what these guys are doing. And he's like, these guys are crazy. Like these guys don't stop. They, they don't give up. They're, they'll they face whatever obstacle and overcome it. And something resonated with him because he's already overcome a lot of obstacles to get to the point where he was in life. And then he became comfortable and numb. Like, it, like Orlando kind of pulled that idea of like he failed again. And instead of overcoming it, he kind of just, Okay, well, I guess I'm a it's failure. It's so easy to be in that place. But he it's watches so He watches this, this show and he's like, I'm doing it. I'm going to join. And he makes it his goal. I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. This is a guy who failed the swimming portion. He can't swim and he decides he wants to be a Navy SEAL. Well, this cracks me up.
1: What he does, he says, when it came time to take the swim test to get into pararescue, I needed to be able to swim for real. This was timed 500 meter freestyle swim. And even at 19 years old, I didn't know how to swim freestyle. Wow. You know, but this is this is the crazy part. So I took my stunned self down to Barnes and Noble, bought swimming for dummies, studied the diagrams, and practiced in the pool every day. I hated putting my face in the water, but I managed for one stroke, then two, and before long, I could swim an entire lap. That is dedication. Yeah, he's a dedicated guy. I mean, I, I, I myself, I struggle. Like I read books a lot. But to read a book, to learn how to swim, like I need somebody to show me how to swim. Mm -hmm. Right. This guy took it upon himself. And from reading, I didn't even know there was a book swimming for dummies. I guess there's one for everyone. Right. I know there's podcasts for dummies. Maybe we need to read that one. I'm joking. All right. So he takes it from there to Navy SEAL level. Yep. Like that, that's, that's huge. Yep. That's it's pretty huge intense.
0: Yeah. And nobody would even give him the time of day. He calls all of these recruiters and because he'd already left the military and he'd be rejoining it into another branch, most of the, the recruiters didn't want anything to do with him. The one guy, one guy talked to him and it's like, well, you're 300 pounds. Like, nope, not going to happen. And he finally found a recruiter at a recruiting station that was like, yeah, you could do it. Um, I, I'll, I'll help you get signed in, but you're going to have to lose a hundred pounds in two months. Three right. months. Was it three months? Still, that's a lot. So, but here's the thing though. And and I, I, I'm, one of my hobbies is like fitness and nutrition and stuff. And, and he even talks about in other interviews and stuff, like what he did wasn't like the safe and right way to do it. But he was like so committed that he literally in that time frame did the most extreme workout and a nutrition plan that you can do in order to do it. Not in like the safe, healthy, slow way of losing weight. But he's like, I'm going to achieve this goal that I set no matter the cost. And so he literally just spends hours a day working out, eating barely anything, um, figuring out what the Navy SEALs were going to be doing as he starts to get more in shape and saying like, all right, how many pushups do I have to do a day? I'm going to do twice that many. How many miles do I have to run a day? I'm going to go do twice that many just to prep for this training. And that, I mean, that just shows dedication to go from a person who's Already had a military career. Got out, 300 pounds, to saying I'm going to do the one of the toughest jobs in the entire military, probably in the entire world. Uh, and I'm going to do. I'm going to be ready in three months. Like, what makes a person? I don't think this is normal. Like, I don't. <laughs> no, think, it's I, not. I don't think this. 100 kind Hundred of, pounds
1: in three months. I mean, I've lost 11 pounds in a day to make a wrestling meet. But that's one day.
0: And a lot of, of that's, you know, like water and stuff like that. Yeah. I
1: mean, it was b- brutal, but that's one day. This is three months. That,
0: that's it. I have yeah. no words. And I, I here's the thing. I, I And as we read more about the things that David Goggins does and the accomplishments he ends up doing and literally like doing things with broken bones and all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> It's not like his level of intensity is not normal. And I don't think it's supposed to be. And I don't think he's trying to motivate people to be exactly like David Goggins. I think what he's trying to say is you need to be as intense as you can be. And you're not necessarily gonna be like, I I would, I would say David Goggins is like freak level intensity. Like I think it's a special gift that he has. And I'm not saying that like that people can't have motivation and dedication. I just think this level is like an extreme. But I think if you can have just 10% 10% more, 50% more dedication and intensity than you have right now, the benefits you're going to have are going to be insane. And you can look at a guy who is the living example of really what we would say, like with the 10X rule, right? Of saying like, I'm going to do this bigger, better, stronger than anybody else can do it. And just goes to show like, if you could apply that much intensity, the results you could get are, are just, they're limitless, but you have to be willing to put that kind of intensity into it. So before we move on, we need to talk about
1: social media I got to that but hey if you haven't had a chance yet you can always follow us on TikTok Instagram and Facebook I don't know how much longer I think Microsoft bought TikTok so I think we have to keep making those crazy videos so we are Pure So podcast on all three platforms we are Pure So cast on Twitter if you ever need to watch us on video which you should uh we drop videos every once in a while it it you know just get to know what we say. I always like you know Hearing what people thought about what we looked like. I always think that's interesting. Uh, so you can subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to yeah. hit that bell notification. <laughs> you can always give us a call at 619-731170. It's at 619-731170. And you could shoot us an email. And we apologize if we've been a little behind on the emails. It's been. It's been a busy time. Yeah. So, so we're getting there. So, so we're recording too late. So here's a podcast at gmail.com. Here's a podcast at gmail.com. And always, we are grateful for the donations. They help us all a lot. Like right now we're, we're down a sponsor and hopefully we'll get one back, but they help us fill in the gaps whenever, you know, we're in those scenarios where, you know, we're like, Oh, that that was nice to have that little income to take care of things here and there. And now we don't have it. So thank you so much. Thank you for the shirts that people keep buying. And as always, want to say thank you for the reviews and I want to read a couple of these uh reviews because people so some some people are just trying to be comedic, which I think is great and they're getting really creative and others are, you know, they they're all good. That's the thing. They they're all good. So,
0: let me get to someone. And where where can people write these uh reviews, Mike? Yeah, so go to iTunes. Um, iTunes is the the big platform, right? It's the the most powerful platform as far as podcasts go. And leave a review on the iTunes podcast site for us. Even if you can't write something, we read everything that's written and it really, really motivates us. Uh, but just giving us those stars helps other people to find us, helps in the algorithm. Uh, and if you're a reseller and you know how the eBay algorithm works, you know how important it is. Like you doing a, a, a star for us, like giving us some, some you know, five loves. stars. <laughs> You giving us I just one. You giving us some love is like getting some listings onto eBay, so we can get sales, right? Like that's how <laughs> much it helps us. As that a is podcast. true. It's
1: very true. Triggers the algorithm now. So this is a light one here. It says this is from Tito's Kistos mañana, and they said, "Grab your brain diaper, mm-hmm. <laughs> get ready for the knowledge dropped on every single episode." I always look forward to Sunday and Wednesday, and Mike and Orlando never
0: disappoint. I'm gonna have to make a sound clip of you saying, get on your brain diaper I've and put some music to in it. In my
1: entire life, I've heard that terminology. Like, that, that's thats
0: refreshing, I guess. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if I'd <laughs> use the term refreshing for it. I think it's a cool phrase. I'm gonna use it a lot more often now. I can guarantee you, as a middle school teacher, I will be using brain diaper I a lot. Brain diaper. <laughs> that's a great phrase.
1: <laughs> I don't, all right. Uh, next one is from uh, Erica Don Posh. So we have some people that sell on posh. Nice. And so we appreciate you guys because we need to talk more about posh because we do sell on posh too. I've been listening for a while now, and this is my go-to podcast for all things reselling. Really real and really relevant. Lots of tips and bolos and ideas from the beginner to the seasoned seller. That's why I always appreciate because mm-hmm. I always hope that, you know, we're able to reach everybody. Yep. Thank for always uh, keeping it chill in front of humor and helpful hints to make reselling fun and lucrative. Lucrative nice please help uh please keep up the awesome work and then thank you so much erica and one more from uh ivol for fun so i live you know i vol for fun okay thank you though uh it says what a couple of reselling guys i love this podcast i'm not a reseller but it fascinates me i love the, those reviews huh right because i always wonder like you know what? 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 What is behind the scenes going? Hey, I really want to listen to this reselling podcast. Like, right? Like, so appreciate you writing this. Ed. I found the podcast through watching YouTube picking videos. These guys talk reselling. There's banter, but not too much. That's good to know. Uh, sometimes we go a little far. Yeah, uh, they are both well educated. Well, thank you. I know how to use grammar, except I, I lately can't pronounce words. I got another it's one. All right. Parcel and parcel. Yeah, parcel. Yeah, it is Parcel. I don't know why I said Parcel in the Instagram and somebody commented to like, Orlando, not trying to be offensive, but it's Parcel. And they like, they did the vowel sound and, and I, the, I was like, all right. Yeah.
0: If you're going to say Parcel, I feel like you have to like say it like French. Parcel. <laughs> parcel. Uh,
1: it is a joy to hear them pronounce words correctly. <laughs> well, most of the time and make the subjects agree with the verbs. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. That's good. English teacher here. That's I'm great. a humanities guy too. I'm a history guy. I'm a grammar nerd, parentheses snob. Anyways, listen and learn from two resellers who are walking the walk. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate all the reviews. Thank you so much. I know it takes time to think some of these. They're witty, they're creative, and we are grateful. So thank you. All right. Back to Goggins here. So um, that just cracked me up. All right. So what I liked here is this. Uh, this applies so well because I've been contemplating this lately. I actually called my buddy up the other day. I said, "John, do you think that people sometimes just get lucky in life?" Right? Because I, I think about myself. Like I've I've hustled all the time, and I've I've always been like you know I've been a department chair and I've been an administrator, but I've never reached like the top top. Of- right? And eBay and Amazon, like I do well, but I'm not like a guru. Right. And I don't know if I'll ever be a guru. I don't know if gurus ever recognize that they're gurus, but I do well. Right. And I know other people that like, they just, they, you know, they go half at something and they end up like finding that right product or, you know, they, they come across a business deal and they just they're connected with the right people. And, and I go, so I, and as I get older, I used to always be that there's no such thing as luck. I still don't think there is, but mm. I'm kind of seeing that persistence. And I've always believed this too, but I see it more. The persistence is the key to get in those scenarios. But I will say there are some people that for whatever reason they've been chosen to be successful. Yeah,
0: yeah right. Exception, not the rule. Yeah. Sure. Oh,
1: super. I'm. I'm. That's probably like point zero 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 one percent. Right. I'm not making excuses here. But he says, but and this is when he, he ended up finding somebody that was willing to recruit him, right? Think about it. He, he, he did have to hide that he didn't know how to swim, but he didn't have a lot going on for him, according to him. But he says, but through a combination of dumb luck and stubborn persistence, I found one of the finest recruiters in the Navy, a guy whose favorite task was discovering diamonds in the rough. Prior service guys like me who were looking to reenlist and hoping to land in special operations. As that spoke to me a lot because in reselling, right? How many times have we had major scores? Cause we were persistent, right? We went to the last garage sale or we went to the last store or we keep hustling, right? We keep building our Amazon or our eBay or, or in life, right? You're fine trying to find that right job. So you send out, you know, I have told people now, you know, I used to be back in the day, like find the five places you want to get hired. I'm more of like find 50 that you know you don't know because you may like some place and you don't know it and just send them all out, right? That persistent pace. Or we talked about constantly pursuing the nose, right? Being willing to just keep asking and keep asking, keep asking, because eventually someone will say yes. Right? So I thought that was pretty valuable because if he was not stubborn and persistent, the David Goggins of this book wouldn't have existed, right? He wouldn't have been a Navy
0: SEAL. He wouldn't have had this great story to tell. It's really a superpower. Like it is the thing that sets him apart from from the average person is the fact that he's so persistent, sometimes to a fault. But he he's almost stubbornly persistent, and uh, and if you're gonna have a fault, that might be the one to have.
1: <laughs> That's a good fault to persistence. Be. So, all
0: right. So he makes
1: it right, and then are we gonna gonna jump to chapter four here?
0: Yeah. So um chapter four. Uh, did you have a good thing? Well, for the, the, challenge? the
1: challenge. The challenge thing. the, the main one is. Doing things, even small things that make you uncomfortable will help make you strong. The more often you get uncomfortable, the stronger you'll become. And soon you'll develop a more productive can do dialogue with yourself in stressful situations. So, so good. So what he's saying is when you're willing, when you go. So he talked about like somehow he felt a calling that when it was raining outside, that's when it was time to go running. Right. When it was when it was cold, that was when to jump in the water, whatever scenario you run in. And that's because once you can handle that you can handle more, right? You've been through
0: that scenario and that's really tough. Your comfort bubble gets bigger as you you go outside of it. Every time you step outside of your comfort zone, your comfort zone gets just a little bit bigger. And that challenged me as a reseller. Like (laughs) the reason I love being a
1: reseller is because I don't have to do any of that. Let
0: me give you an example. When I first, uh, just personal life, like speaking, I think a lot of people have issues with public speaking. It's like a very big fear. When I first started teaching, I remember day one as a student teacher, I'd never had to like in class, like actually give a lesson in front of students before. And I remember like, it was so difficult. I was trying to hand out papers and talk at the same time and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do two things at once. I was like stuttering. Then the first time it was like parent teacher night as a student teacher. And I have to talk now in front of parents and just like the fear That's and even worse than Talking
1: in front of students.
0: It's so much worse. And, but then every time I do it, like even to this day, uh, every time I speak in public, I get, there's, a, there's, there's some nerves there. But now I look at them as this. Is, I know I can get through this. These nerves actually are a good thing, and each time it gets a little bit easier in the time before. And now I could talk in front of parents and students, and I don't have those nerves. But it's because I had to. I had to go through a whole lot of of internal struggle of like, I I, I would literally sweat. I would s- uh, stumble over my words. Like it was really bad, and every time I did it. I got a little bit better the next time. And that's true for almost everything in life. You make yourself a little uncomfortable. And I've had, I think that challenge can be like really simple. Like maybe there's something you know you're not good at that you want to like get uncomfortable doing. Maybe it's like, I don't like talking to my neighbors, but I want to go over and like introduce myself. So like come over to a barbecue. There's a lot of things you can do. But but, like a very simple thing is like, uh, and I've used this in the past of like, do something uncomfortable every day on purpose. Because then when uncomfortable things come, like you know you can overcome it. I'm going to learn to ride a bike. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm a-
1: serious. Like I'm thinking about that and I'm like, when I was I'm sorry, did I cut you off? Well,
0: I was just gonna I say I just got inspired. I was just gonna say, like, the, the simple thing for me is a cold shower. I, I take really <laughs> hot showers and I hate taking cold oh, showers. But why? What, what, what does that bring to your life? And I don't do it the whole shower. There was a time in my life where I, I did like a whole month of like nothing but cold showers. Um, and it was supposed to like have all these health benefits. And then I was like, I don't know if it really does have those things, but there are times when it's like, I, right before I get out of a hot shower, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna force myself, boom, like 10 seconds of just as cold as the water can be. And it's like, I know I'm not gonna like this and I'm gonna force myself to do it. And then whenever I'm done, it's just that little bit of like, I forced myself to do something that was hard and I got through it. And I don't know, I think it maybe it. I think it toughens you up a little bit in life. Cause then when something hard comes like, hey, this extra task is due, that you didn't have plan and you got to make room in your schedule. And now you're like, I have to do this thing. But you're like, just like turning in the cold shower or jumping into a pool. It's like, I'm just going to do it. Right. That like, is true. It just, it, it yeah. builds up to like one, two, three, go almost like the five second roll, Right? No, agreed. Agreed.
1: So I'm, I have no bike, man.
0: Do it. You know, it's funny
1: cause I'm going to get judged so hard on this one. Oh man. Yeah. I don't Listen, think when so. I was a kid, when I was a kid, I tried and I was a bigger kid. And when you're bigger, you fall harder. And I remember I tried my my buddy, like I was, I don't know, I was like 12, I think. No, I was younger than that. I was like nine or 10. And man, I got rocked. Like I fell some a few times and I'm like, I'm done. And I grew up in the inner city. So I didn't have to like ride a bike. I could always catch the bus. You know, everything was nearby. And, you know, and it's not like people in the inner city don't ride bikes.
0: but And you were in San Francisco, right? Yeah. And that's like very hilly. Yeah. It's like bikes probably weren't as... No, we
1: didn't. I mean, we didn't ride our bikes very no. much. Usually we just caught the bus or... I mean, we we did skateboards or, you know, I mean, skateboards was awesome. But, Mm. you know, one of the reasons is one time, I don't know if this is a long story time, but I was trying to get my balance on a bike and I was actually at the top of a hill and I went flying down that hill and I didn't really know how to control a bike. And, you know, like the side posts of a a garage, I flew right into one of them. Full face, destroyed, glasses broken. And I think that's the last time I rode a bike.
0: Yeah, I mean, a, a traumatizing experience like that can definitely be tough. <laughs> but hey, if you've got that fear and you know, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push through this and I'm gonna at least try. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Um, more we'll hold t- you accountable for that. Don't feel silly. I mean, we all have something. Keep right? me, keep me accountable. So by
1: next level up review, you have to go Orlando. Did you try riding a bike? I,
0: and I guarantee you, no matter who's listening to this, there's something in their life that is there won't be any Instagram stories about this. <laughs> by the way, um, yeah, there's always something. We all have something. So don't make fun of Orlando because you know what. Everybody's got something, right? We all got our issues. Um, I, I actually kind of want to go through uh, chapter four kind of quickly just to kind of get yeah. the, the gist of it. Okay. Um, but one thing that's interesting is, is he ends up going through SEAL training and if you, and we've all know and have heard stories about how crazy SEAL training and BUDS <laughs> and Hell Week and all of that is. Uh, just to give you some statistics here, he says out of like a class of 120, usually like only 20 to 40 make it through that Hell Week and into like the actual training. Uh, that's that's intense, right? That's really, really difficult to-, to And they give up, they ring the bell. Yeah. Remember we read that book, Make Your Own Bed, and it's talking yep. about ringing the bell. Ringing the bell. And and the idea of of that you have to go to this thing, give up publicly, right? By ringing a bell. By ringing a bell. Um, But David Goggins had an interesting perspective on this. His thing with the ringing the bell was every time he heard that bell ring, it was, I'm one step closer to being one of the 20 to 40 to make it somebody else is gone, right? And just think about that, the almost the competitive nature of that, of like, I, you know every single one of those guys, something inside of them, there's some of them that are like, I'm never gonna ring that bell no matter what, but th- it, a lot of them are thinking like, if I ring that bell, there's a hot cup of coffee and a warm bed and I can take a shower and I can get some food in me and actually sleep. I haven't slept in days. Like, it's right there, I can do it. But David Goggins, every time he heard that bell, is like, it's my percentage, my chance of making it to the end just went up that much more, right? And-, and there's he goes through in this section, there's a couple of times where he's like he's in and out of buds. He ends up having an issue where he had to like re-go through uh this process. Um, but one of the things that I really liked, and this is where the taking souls comes from, is there's the story of the boat crew that he's on. So dark taking souls, taking souls. The boat crew that he's on. Um, they're they're winning everything. He's like forcing his team to like win and do do well. And he notices all the instructors, all the SEAL instructors have gone through buds. They've gone through hell week. They, 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 they're on the other side of it. Right. And he says, they're all warm, wearing their nice, warm stuff, drinking a hot cup of coffee, yelling at us, making us in the freezing cold, go get in the water and then roll in the sand and then do crazy stuff. And they're uncomfortable. And he goes, and I knew I could tell by looking at them, like they, they're like looking at us and they're judging. And and in their mind, they're like, yeah, when I was in, in, uh, in hell week, like I didn't, I wasn't as much of a, you know, you know, I wasn't as wussy as they are. I was, I was tougher. And he's like, you know what? So I looked at them, and so our our boat crew, I convinced him. Like we started instead of just holding the boat above our shoulders, we were throwing it up in the air and we're singing songs. And, we're, and he's all, I looked at those instructors, and I could just tell I took their soul. Right, like I, instead of them being able to say like, haha, we were tougher than them, it's like what are they doing? Like we can't break them. And every time the instructors tried to break them, they basically just like smiled and laughed in their face and went harder. And he says, I knew at that moment that I was in their head, that when they went home to sleep at night, they were going to be thinking about me and what we were doing, right? Like I, he's all, at that point I took their soul and that was my fuel. And that becomes like, now, whenever you watch like a David Goggins video, he's running in the rain and like nobody else is out. And he's like, it's, it's three 30 in the morning and it's a hurricane and I'm out here running. He's like, I'm taking souls. Right. And that's his whole thing is like, I'm, I, I will break other people in the sense of like, I will do what other people won't do. For the sake to show that it can be done and i'm going to be the one to do it right and and it's it's a weird thing yeah the whole idea of taking souls but he, he if you can do that in life like if you can find your opponents maybe it's maybe it's at work and i'm not saying you have to be aggressive because he's never like he doesn't do this in a, in a way of like i want to destroy these people's lives so that's not his point but the point is like let maybe you're at work and you're trying for a promotion right and it's like i'm gonna the person that i'm going against for this promotion I'm gonna take their soul. They think they're working hard. I'm gonna work twice as hard as them. And when they're complaining about it, I'm gonna smile. When they're like, I got another task, I'm gonna be like, ooh, I'll take that task off your back, right? Like at that moment, you've just taken their soul because they're like, I can barely even get the work I'm doing and he's already got all this work and he's willing to take work from me. Like you can defeat people by just by just doing those things, those intense things that they're not willing to do and and use that as motivation. If you do that like in reselling, like we talked about in our last, uh, our last interview, be in the top 20%, do the things that the other people won't do list those items and say, like, you know what, to be in the top 20%, I need to list 15 or 20 items every single day. And I'm going to do those things. And all the people who are complaining about not being successful at reselling, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to accomplish the thing that they're not willing to accomplish.
1: Yeah. I think it's good. I think, and it's, it's different than you know, you've heard the chip on your shoulder mentality mm-hmm. or like you're doing something because that chip on your shoulder causes you to move forward because you want to prove everybody wrong. And I, I do think I think that fuel runs out. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think, it, you know, eventually you come to a place of forgiveness and mm-hmm. you can only use that fuel for so long. But I think that taking souls, even though <laughs> the terminology is not so intense, it's, it's very true. Like, you know. And you got to I think there has to be a a landing place where it's it doesn't sound like you're, you're just out to beat everybody. It's more of you're 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 facing yourself. Yep. Right. You're trying to outpace yourself. You're trying to, you know, be better every single day. And part of that means taking souls. But eventually you're just trying to improve on yourself because you can't stay too focused on everybody else. And he talks about that, too.
0: Yeah. And, and specifically the idea of taking souls is to take the wind out of the sails of the person who's going against yep. you, right? Like take, you're taking, you're taking their passion and enthusiasm away from them. Right. And you do that by, by not backing down and not, not giving up. Um, cool. Do you have anything for chapter four, any quotes you want to give?
1: No, I, I just, I, I love how he talks. It's a mind game. A lot of this is mind games. Mm-hmm. A lot of this is, you know, taking action and understanding that whatever terrible scenario you have or whatever you think about the competition Then in the end, you may be playing yourself, right? He says, everything in life is a mind game. Whenever we get swept under by life's dramas, large and small, we are forgetting that no matter how bad the pain gets, no matter how harrowing the torture, all bad things end. That forgetting happens the second we give control over our emotions and actions to other people, which can easily happen when pain is peaking. During hell week, the men who quit felt like they were running on a treadmill turned way up with no dashboard within reach. But whether they ever figured it out or not, that was an illusion they fell for. And it's very true because everything in life will pass. I mean, you hear that term, right? This too shall pass. right? You hear that all the time. But it's so true. It's a trite saying, which trite means that it's overly said and overly used because it's true. Mm -hmm. Right? Whatever scenario we're in, it'll eventually pass. Doesn't mean that. Everything, you know, like everything will be perfect and there won't be, you know, terrible outcome of it, but it will pass and things will get better. And I and I mean, think about Hell Week. Like I don't know how David Goggins couldn't get through Hell Week without knowing that eventually it would pass.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's such a good thing. Like, like I always said like there's been times where I get, you know, a, a teaching like assignment that I'm not like super happy about or a special something that happens. It's like, man, I don't really want to do this, but like I can do anything for a year, right? If it furthers my career makes me, you know, more money and helps my family in the long run, like what's, what's the nine months or even getting my master's degree. I did my master's, my master's program in one year instead of like two That's years. So intense. And during that year, my son was in the NICU for, for over that. a week, right? Like it was an intense time in my life, but you know what I, I thought through this? Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And just like you said, like a lot of times people will fall for the illusion that this will never end. But if you, and and I loved earlier the quote that you gave that there's a light at the end of the tunnel unless you allow your eyes to become numb to the darkness. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if you're just like, this is where I'm at forever, then you're stuck there. But if you're like, I can get through this. I can get through this death pile. I can get through this family obstacle. I can get through whatever it is and it's going to take some time. But with the right motivation, intensity, intensity, You know, and, and, and again, like I always say, and it's a good way of thinking is like, you look back to like five years ago and the things that you were worried about and you were losing sleep over, they don't bother you anymore. Usually. Right. right? Very true. Like you're not like that. thing. Literally very true. The thing that I couldn't sleep over and I was up late and I thought my life was coming to an end. Like it doesn't even, I don't, I don't even know if I remember what it was. You know what I mean? Like you will get through it.
1: Which leads us to chapter five, the armored mind. Yeah. So I, I like what he uses. I like the term calloused mind, right? But we need to define what that means. Right. And when we say callous mind or what David Goggins means is whenever you've been through a tough scenario, each time that you go through that suffering or that turmoil, whether it's, you know, physical stuff, meaning like exercise or exertion of force, or whether that means trauma or whether that means finances, whatever it means, Your mind becomes calloused, right? Kind of like if you play guitar or if you do a sport, whatever it is, you don't feel the pain anymore, right? And you're able to get through it and you're able to function. And he gives that story about Psycho Pete. You remember that story?
0: Uh, I will once you start talking about it.
1: Well, <laughs> I asked you because I don't remember. Is this the instructor? Yeah, the instructor who who basically kept pushing him and pushing him, thinking that he could, he wanted him to, there was one time where he was supposed to go out into the water in the middle of a storm and find a boat. And it was it was something they actually had never had anybody do before, mm-hmm. right? But eventually everything that he had done up to that point had calloused his mind and, and brought him to a place of understanding that I can do this. And eventually Psycho Pete, after he had went through all the trials that his instructor had forced him to said, what is wrong with you? Are you some kind of superhuman? Like, how are you able to complete all these tasks? And, and you know, David Goggins is humble about it. And he, he basically, he's already come to a conclusion that, Hey, I figured out that this was a mind thing that once I put myself through very difficult situations that this situation also too will end that I will overcome it and I will defeat this and I'll take your soul.
0: Yeah. I heard something um, years ago when I was in high school and it's always stuck with me. Uh, and it was cause I hated running and I was trying to train for, uh, like a, a, I was wanting to do like law enforcement stuff. And there was like a time you had to do a mile in and it was like, somebody told me that was kind of helping me train was your mind will give up before your legs do. When I get to the point where it's like, I'm done running. I can't oh, yeah, run marathon anymore. runners. I have friends yeah. that do
1: marathons. Yeah. That's a it's your time.
0: mind. Your mind gives up well before your body does. Um, David Goggins actually has this rule. Like when you get to the point where you have given it absolutely everything you've got, he goes, and most people never even get to that point, but when you get to the point where you've you've drained every ounce that you have, he says, you've given 40%. You've only done 40% of what you're actually really capable of. You've got 60% more that you haven't even tapped. But like you you set a limiter. He calls it like a like a governor on an engine, right? Like you have a governor on your brain that says, this is as far as I can go. You put a governor on an engine, um th- let's say it's a car, that car might be capable of going 150 miles an hour. They set the governor to 90 miles an hour. Try as you might, you got the, the, the pedals of the floor, you'll never go over 90 miles an hour. You take that governor off, all of a sudden it can actually reach its potential. And we have that kind of governor in our brain, at least is what he's arguing, and having that callous mind and, and getting through. It. And one of the things that happens with Psycho Pete is he's pushing David Goggins <laughs> so much- um And at one point, and it basically David Goggins has like a fractured knee. His mm-hmm. leg is stiff. He can barely move it. He's worried he's going to drop out. He's basically gotten to the end of the program. If he if he gets rolled back now, like they might not even let him back in. And one of the last things he has to do is an underwater tying, uh, not tying thing. And he, he can barely bend his legs. So trying to be underwater and, and swim and keep himself down there. But anyways, he goes underwater. And the thing was... You have to go under, hold your breath, untie a certain knot, and then you could like come back up and get air, go back down and do the next knot. And he does the first two and he goes up and Psycho Pete is the one observing and he the, the instructor slowly checks the knot before you're allowed to go up, right? Like it's this whole thing. So you have to sit there and wait until the instructor gives you the thumbs up. You can go up, you can get air, come back down and do the next one. So you're forced to be under and the instructor's got their, their oxygen mask on. They're mm-hmm. comfortable down there and you're like holding your breath. He says he gets up and Psycho Pete trying to get into his head is like, I dare you to try and do the next three knots without coming up, right? And he's all, that wasn't one of the rules. I didn't have to do that. And he's all, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to take his soul. I'm going to do it. I'm going to show him. And he went down and he did it. And he said, by the time he got the third one down, he basically was dying. And Psycho Pete was like rushed through checking the knots, like didn't do like the slow methodical because he knew he had to get David Goggins back up. But again... He refused to accept, like, I'm not going to let this guy beat me down. In fact, I'm going to beat him down. I'm going to get in his head of, like, how is this guy able to accomplish these things? No matter how hard I try, I can't beat him down. And I remember when I was in high school football, we kind of had, you know, the hell week thing. And it was obviously not even a hundredth of a percent of what what these SEALs are going through. But as a senior in high school, you kind of got to, like, pick on and haze the, you know, new juniors and uh, sophomores coming in through the program, the varsity program. And it was always in good fun, but you know, you'd get them in the weight room and making them do stuff. And like the seniors like, come on, you're so weak. Why aren't you do, and I remember there was this one kid, I think he was a sophomore and he like, no matter like how much we were like, you gotta, you know, run fast and stuff, he would just smile at us. And I remembered how angry that made me. And he'd go and do the thing and he, he just smiled. And he took my soul, right? Cause it was like, I'm trying to like break this kid down and he's breaking me down, you know, like I'm like, I remember when I was, you know, like, how's he smiling? And he's smiling at me and that makes me mad. And the fact that he's got control over me and I'm trying to make him mad and he's making me mad. Right. And that's what David Goggins does here. And unfortunately, um, he does end up getting rolled back um, and he has to go through the program again, which is a crazy thing. In his final program going through um, uh, one of the seals or one of the potential seals going through the program actually ends up dying in one of Mm -hmm. the water challenges that they were doing. So, I mean, he, this program is an intense program and he basically goes through it twice and he finally becomes a SEAL uh, and that kind of is where the, the, the chapter ends. But just to think everything that he went through to get here and the, the calloused mind that he had to have, all that he's overcome, and he went from not even being able to swim just a couple of meters or a couple of laps in a pool in order to become a pararescuer, to now he's a Navy SEAL.
1: It's just amazing. like Oh, it's, it's crazy. And and I love how he, he sums up the idea of the callous mind and how it got him to overcome Psycho right? Because he says, until you experience hardships like abuse and bullying, failures and disappointments, your mind will remain soft and exposed. I don't know. I think that's up for debate a little bit. Like, I <laughs> I don't really wish that on anyone. Mm-hmm. But people that do go through adversity are able to handle a lot of things, right? Life experience, especially negative experience, help callous the mind. But it's up to you whether that callous lines up. If you choose to see yourself as a victim of circumstance into adulthood, that callous will become resentment that protects you from the unfamiliar. It will make you too cautious and untrusting, possibly too angry at the world. It will make you fearful of change and hard to reach, but not hard of mind. That's where I was as a teenager. But after my second hell week, i had become something new. I'd fought through so many horrible situations by then and remained open and ready for more. My ability to stay open represented a willingness to fight for my own life, which allowed me to withstand hailstorms of pain and use it to callous over my victim's mentality. That stuff was gone, buried under layers of sweat and hard flesh. And I was starting to callous over my fears too. That realization gave me the mental edge I needed to outlast Psycho one more time. Right? And so in, in all of this, right, the, the idea is... I mean, there's a lot of takeaways, right? But over time, right, moving into pain, moving into scenarios that we don't like, getting uncomfortable, right? Because in in time, it does a lot. It allows us to understand that we can get through things. That there's light at the end of the tunnel, it gives us hope, gives us callous minds, and allows us to continue moving forward. Whether it's reselling, whether it's in our personal lives whatever obstacle is in front of us. So I'm looking forward to our next level up review in a couple of weeks. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling ladies.